Support for the sponsor pod and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey guys, it's Jason. Welcome to episode number eight of the Sponsor Pod featuring Chris McCarthy, co-founder and COO at Fansaves. Chris is a super dedicated entrepreneur who saw how fans and sponsors should communicate with each other. He has participated and won multiple pitch competitions and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to launch his business. He has great insights as to how to measure engagement in a sponsorship. It was a pleasure to have him on the podcast. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. One weekend where we went on a road trip to play a neutral site game in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So go on the road and we start the game and, you know, like maybe in the end of the first period, towards the end of the first period, there was like a scuffle in front of the net and I was on the ice at the same time as our coach and our captain. So a line brawl breaks out. So I grab one guy and he was actually my friend of mine that was on the other team. So we dropped the meds and I'm going at it with him. I look over, our coach is in a fight with Wait, another Wait, so you're player. friends with this guy and you're punching him out? We had traded him like really earlier in the season. Um, <laughs> but he was like a good buddy of mine. Like I was sad to see him leave our team. But um, it kind of started out as like kind of just jabbing at each other. And then we just, we dropped the gloves and we went at it. And then I look over, my coach is in a fight with another guy. And my captain is in a fight with another guy. So I said to myself, like, that's got to be the first time in, like, professional hockey history where you've got the general manager, the head coach, and the captain all in a line brawl at the same time. This is the Sponsor Pod, a show about sponsorship leaders and their experiences, stories, and how they see the ever-changing world of sponsorships. I'm Jason Smith, and on the show today, we're going to hear from Chris McCarthy, co-founder and COO at Fansaves. I connected with Chris to hear about his sponsorship journey. Uh, born in PEI in Charlottetown, up here in Canada, and I moved away from there when I was two. My dad had a federal government job, so we moved... Uh, to Orleans in Ontario um, and I grew up there till I was 16 before I went away to school so um, you know be- I went from out east to uh, to Ontario and lived in the beautiful city of Ottawa which, uh, which I love so much. Yeah here it's beautiful up there I grew up in the northwest of uh, in Oregon it's nice and green and and luscious but I hear Canada is the same. Yeah Ottawa is a very like government town it's very clean um you know some good sports franchises here so a little bit of everything but um you know it's uh i grew up in a hockey household and obviously uh, ottawa is a hockey city so it's a great place for me to grow up hockey is your love right so where did you your, that first love of, of hockey start yeah it would have started when i was about three years old um literally started skating at three or four years old my 
my mom would take me out on the outdoor rink and my grandma and we'd skate around and you know back in the day I had those like those old skates with the double blade on each each <laughs> skate so that's kind of how I learned to skate and then um worked my way up to one blade but um like I said I grew up in a hockey household um I was a big Ottawa Senators fan when they started in 92 and I have been since and did your mom um, did your mom or dad or t- take you to games was that kind of the, the thing or did you just watch all the games what what was what kind of got you hooked as a hockey fan yeah a little bit of both um went to some some games when they first got here and uh, I think that lit my fire fire for hockey my dad played hockey and my uncle uh, you know played in the OHL and he was drafted and so he ended up getting sick but uh, he was a big influence on my hockey career and um, just fell in love with the game at an early age and uh, it was my passion throughout most of my life so and for for about a decade you you uh, you were the head instructor working for the city of Ottawa um, and I'm assuming that was for, for hockey yeah it was kind of a cool story I was in grade nine and uh, my drama teacher was actually also like the head coach of the high school hockey team and recruited me to play for the high school hockey team and you know halfway through the season he told me that he was um, like the director of this city of auto hockey camp and he thought I'd be a great fit for like a, a group instructor so literally started my my way up that summer it was uh it was 10 weeks every summer um, and uh, literally from kids that were like you know five and six years old up to 16 years of age different age groups and started off like you know setting up the equipment and making sure everyone was signed in then you know a couple years later I worked my way up to like actually being a group instructor and going out with the kids and putting up the activities and stuff like that and then um, on ice instructor and then I became a head instructor where I was running all the drills and I was on the ice uh, you know six eight hours a day so it was uh, it was my happy place I made a lot of great friends working with other counselors and um, you know, really learned how to work with kids. And um, so it was really great. And I got to teach hockey, which was really cool. Do you still do any instructor classes or, or coach any no. teams or anything like that? No, I don't. Um, I was also a referee for seven years. So that was kind of before my junior career. So it kind of taught me a lot about the game. But um, I love teaching kids. Um, you know, if if I'm asked to every once in a while up in Cornwall, uh, there's hockey camps up there and uh, I have some friends that are instructors and that run camps and they ask me the time to time to come out. Um, and I like to volunteer for that kind of stuff. So I do, but um, just came to the, the age where I had to make some decisions. I was away at school and university by the time I kind of left the camp, but it had been 10 years and I left my mark in the camp in a bunch of different ways. And it was just time for me to move on uh, with other opportunities. How, how did, so you, you played at the high school. Did you play after that? Any post high school hockey? Yeah, so I was playing um, minor midget. It was my draft year. And um, I actually got called up to the major midget team. Um, so me and another player, um, his name's Corey Cowick, he ended up um, being drafted by the Senators and played some exhibition games before going to Europe. Um, but anyways, I was playing up with this the level higher than me and I was also on the high school hockey team and we were going to the Ontario Championships and, you know, I was, it was my draft year so I was expected to go in, you know, one of the first four or five rounds kind of thing and uh, I remember I went into the corner and I, I hit a guy and I started to skate away and he kind of bounced off the boards and just landed on my knee and crushed my knee and I remember like looking back and it was kind of like upside down and so, you know, I got carted off in the ambulance it was the first time I ever like stayed down for an injury and ended up getting diagnosed with uh, a fractured kneecap in six places I tore my MCL my meniscus and 
uh, my knee was just a mess. So was that a like complete restructure? Re yeah. Well, luckily, like the MCL is something that can be, um, it can be like naturally um, grown back, and uh, my meniscus was able to heal. And you know, I was I did a lot of physio like every day before school, kind of thing. So I, my goal was to get back in time for the next season. So I had a shot of like still making it to the OHL. That was my dream at that age to make yeah. the OHL and then roll on and play pro. So the next year came around. I did a full recovery, came back even stronger, had a great like camp and. Uh, it was early in the season, we were in Kingston, and um, I had made a pass up ice coming out of my end, and I started to skate. I got kind of like blindsided hit, and uh, ended up going into the boards awkwardly, and I felt a pop in my knee. Oh. And wouldn't you believe it, it was the same knee. Um, after the game, I, you know, a few days later, I went and got it looked at, and had a couple second opinions, and then an MRI, and I was diagnosed with a complete tear of my ACL. So I had to get full reconstructive surgery, um, I ended up missing both years of my high school, like those two years of my high school hockey as well. Oh, wow. um, so I did a full recovery, came back and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna set my sights on the college route and uh, had a good season. And um, from there, I went on to play in, in the United States. I went to a school in upstate New York, a junior college called Saranac Lake in an NJCAA. Um, and then from there, I went to a prep school in Lake Placid called uh, uh, National Sports Academy, which was really cool. It was all winter sports athletes and uh, I was in a prep school league. And then from there, I went back to junior A. And then from there, I got signed to play professional hockey. So I went from like midget to college to prep school, back to junior and then professional. So a really weird like career path, uh, pretty unique one, I think. I've never met anyone that's kind of had a story like that, but just kind of followed my love for the game that I you know, had at an early age. and. Um, you know, got the opportunity to start my education at the same time. That's fun. That's that's awesome. Now you went to, <clears throat> you mentioned that you went to some some junior colleges and played hockey, but you you also went to State University in New York College. Is that right? Yeah. So I, when I did my first year at uh, Saranac Lake, it was a two year junior college, um, and then I went to prep school, then junior, and then I got signed to play in the FHL for this new team, this new V called Aquasauce New Warriors, and I remember my buddy actually like bought the team. He was the original franchise owner and he owned a Greek restaurant. That summer I was working in his restaurant to make some extra money to pay for my school. So I remember signing my contract uh, in the kitchen of Greek on Wheels. Um, and that's <laughs> how I got my, my start professionally. Um, how much were they paying you? So it really depended on like the player, but I was making, I think at that time, like four or 500 bucks a week. Um, which was not bad for, you know, someone that's yeah. in school full time in university. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool. I went to SUNY Potsdam uh, in upstate New York and um, I lived with all of the hockey players in an eight man suite all four years um, on, on the university team. And then I would travel back and forth from Potsdam to Aquasauce for two years when I played there. And then when I went to Watertown, uh, the following two years, I would travel from Potsdam to Watertown, which was about an hour and a half as well. So it was really, really difficult to, um, you know, keep up a full schedule of classes and homework and a course load while playing professional hockey. And I had a girlfriend at the time. And so it was a really, uh, really busy lifestyle. I, looking back, I still don't even know, like, how I managed to graduate, get all my work done. And luckily, a lot of the teachers were pretty, like, flexible and um, you know, 
I, I basically had two families. I was living with the guys' hockey team, and that was awesome. And then I'd go away, and I'd have my other professional hockey team that I played with um, and spent a lot of time on the road. So it was uh, it was a really unique, again, I think unique is a common theme of my, my career and my story <laughs> yeah. uh, and my life. Um, but it was a really unique um, way to go to university and be able to play professional at the same time. What was what was kind of your your dream as you so you were you were playing professional hockey going to school, but what was your dream for the future while you were while you were in school and I guess playing professional hockey? I mean, were you wanting to get to the NHL? Did you want to you know get into the business side of sports? What was what what were you what did you hope you wanted to do for work? Kind of post graduation. Yeah, for sure. After the second time I blew up my knee, I'd kind of like given up the dream of playing in the NHL. I turned my focus to going to the school and, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to play pro, but, you know, I really knew I wanted to work in sports. Um, you know, I was at school, I was taking business administration, entrepreneurship. I had, you know, a little bit of a flair for entrepreneurship, but um, it wasn't really like my main focus. Um and I, what's really cool is I was in my last year of university in my, my last semester, and uh, the team that I was playing for, the Watertown Privateers, it was about halfway through the season. I was the captain of the team, and um, the coach and GM ended up getting fired. Um, so I remember one day, like, the owner called me over to, uh, to one of the restaurants I was a sponsor, and, um, you know, he sat me down, and he said, you know, I, you know, I had to let go of the coach and GM for his duties, and I want you to take over the team as general manager. And I was like 24 at this point, and you know, I was captain of the why, team. Why did like, he wow. choose you? Why did he choose you over you know going out and doing a, you know, hiring somebody else? What did you have some sort of skill set that he saw specifically? I mean, I was just coming out of uni, like about to graduate from university with a, a degree in business admin, and um, you know, I was a captain. I had the respect of like the team and the yeah. staff and everything like that. For and sure. I played there a bit of the year before. So I was really familiar with the community and stuff like that. So I think instead of going out mid season, trying to find another coach and, you know, general manager, he just gave me the reins. Yeah, I'm so amazing. glad he did. And I'm forever grateful for that. Cause it really turned um, my love and my passion for like the front office of sports. Um, so I was literally managing like the game day operations, uh, the sales, the marketing, the ticketing, like all of the volunteers and staff uh, were all kind of, kind of under my umbrella so one of the first things I did because I was the captain um, and also the general manager I gave up my captaincy to one of the other players and right away I hired one of the players to be a player coach he had East Coast Hockey League experience and so I continued to play while <laughs> while being the general manager which is very unique as well and then we had a player coach and then the captain so so you had a really, play, you, you were the player GM and then you also had a player coach essentially yeah yeah that is so very unique the, the league at this time is like four or five years old it's still getting its footing it's had some really good players billy tibbets like a bunch of players that played in the nhl and stuff like that but um you know it was known as like a tougher league and an up-and-coming league and not quite at the level of the sphl um but there was one one weekend where we went on a road trip to play a neutral site game in uh, winston-salem north carolina so go on the road and we start the game and, you know, like maybe in the end of the first period, towards the end of the first period, there was like a scuffle in front of the net. And I was on the ice at the same time as our coach and our captain. So a line brawl breaks out. So I grab one guy and he was actually my a friend of mine that was on the other team. So we dropped the mitts and I'm going at it with him. I look over, our coach is in a fight with Wait, another Wait, so you're player. friends with this guy and you're punching him out? 
we had traded him like really earlier in the season um <laughs> but he was like a good buddy of mine like i was sad to see him leave our team but um it kind of started out as like kind of just jabbing at each other and then we just we dropped the gloves and we went at it and then i look over my coach is in a fight with another guy and my captain is in a fight with another guy. So I said to myself, like, that's got to be the first time in, like, professional hockey history where you've got the general manager, the head coach, and the captain all in a line brawl at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> did like, you – the biggest question is, did you suspend yourself? <laughs> no, actually like, – like, Well, fighting, I guess, is, is okay in hockey, right? So My buddy broke my nose. So, like, the, the story is, like, I always tell him, I was like, oh, you suckered me anytime we talk about it. I was like, dude, you suckered me – so I had to go to the hospital. I missed the third period. Uh, we were losing like 5-1 or something, and we came back and we lost 6-5. But um, I remember the guys picked me up at the hospital, and I guess like my coach had, you know, got kicked out of the game, my player coach. So he went in the dressing room and put on his like suit and came back on the bench and coached the rest of the game. It sounds so Bush League now talking about it, but um, the league is actually like very credible now. A lot of guys get sent off to the East Coast Hockey League, and um, it's grown leaps and bounds from where it was, but just so a crazy story that I don't think you'll ever hear anywhere else. <laughs> were you still buddies afterwards with him? Oh yeah. We still talk to this day. Like, um, you know, it's, it's oh, one of those so things funny. in the heat of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Hockey's such a unique sport. I love that. It really is. Yeah. For so, sure. so there, I mean, you're, so you're the general manager of the Watertown Pine uh, privateers and um, in 1415, there becomes an ownership change, um, and the, and they changed their name to the wolves. Um, yeah. what, what was that? What was that like going through the change of ownership? So at the end of the season, um, the owner wanted to give up the team and a group of local business owners actually stepped up and purchased the team. So they, um, you know, they wanted me to come back and be the sales and marketing director. And they hired, um, the coach that. I hired the year before as to be the coach and the general manager. So I ran all the marketing. I did all the sponsorship um, and a crazy story. Like they, they went out and they, they announced the team. They did this whole like search for a name that all the community like put in like what they think the, na the name of the team should be called. And they settled on the Watertown Wolves. So they did this big press release, this big like press conference and they announced the logo and the name of the team and everything like that. And then a couple days later, uh, the owners got an email from someone that said, hey, like, you know, I bought the domain watertownwolves.com. If oh, you boy. want the domain, you're going to have to pay five grand for it. And at the time they were like, hell no, they were so pissed off because they didn't buy the domain before they announced the name of the team. So someone just went out and bought the domain. So then they were in the spot where they had to like either buy the domain. What they ended up doing is they just, they bought watertownwolves.net and they're like, oh, it's like scoring on a net. <laughs> So anyways, they got the domain now, but this was like years ago. And I just remember that as such a, a business You know, I've, gap, done, I've, I've done a few naming right deals and, and that's <laughs> sometimes the last thing that you think of. And, and we, you know, we, we purchased the domain, you know, the, the domains beforehand, you know, and so that was never an issue, but, but that's always a, uh, the last thing you think of. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, we got to make sure yeah. that we get this before someone does exactly what you just explained. I'm sure everyone involved will never make that mistake again um, in their own businesses or lives. But, you know, anyways, later that year, like I played out the rest of the year. I was like the player slash sales and marketing guy. And we ended up winning that season. It was my second uh, commissioner's cup that I won in, in the first five years of my, like four years of my career. And then um, ended up my 
my last year winning it again. But as um, as a member of the front office, I wasn't a player that awesome. year. I was going back and forth between Cornwall and Watertown. It was that year that we won the championship. So um, that's awesome. Just a, w- a wild ride. Um, super grateful for the opportunity that he gave me because, like I said, it you know at that point I was like dead set on getting experience in the in the front office and then you know getting a job working in like major league sports maybe like for the ottawa senators and doing sponsorship or marketing or something like that so that's where i thought my career path was headed yeah um and then my startup came along so so um and we're going to get into when when you were kind of doing the sales and marketing for cornwall and in watertown um did you transition from general manager to the director of sales and marketing for um the wolves at the time or yeah did, the, did they hire a new gm with the new ownership and then you then you kind of took this director of sales and marketing role yeah like i mentioned they they hired the coach that i hired as the, the coach and gm um and then i was hired as like the sales and marketing director so um you know i had i had someone that i worked with in the front office and we managed all of like the the sales and marketing together and the social media okay. and all that kind of stuff. And he took care of like all the hockey operations and all the contracts and everything like that. So um, that wasn't really my passion. I wasn't like super passionate about coaching and, you know, doing all the trades and scouting and stuff on, like that. The, I was more, yeah, I was really from my education in school, you know, it was really cool because while I was a GM, I was able to, I was taking classes back in Potsdam and I was always thinking when, you know, when the teacher was, um, you know, talking about whatever, I was always like putting myself in my, my shoes over in Watertown and seeing like how I could implement things I was learning in university for the hockey team. And uh, it really always had my mind going on that. So, um, you know, I was able to do some really cool things um, and some, a lot of great charity work and that carried over into my next, uh, my next role with the Wolves. And uh, it really turned into a big part of like who I am and, giving back and being able to help others when you're in a position like that, when you're in a small town and everyone comes to the games and all the kids look up to the players. Like it's just a really special thing to be a part of. And we were able to raise all kinds of money and do a lot of good things for the community. So that was a big part of my job too, that I really love. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. And, uh, and you did that role, that director of sales and marketing role for the team um, for around seven months or so. And then, and then you, um, you leave to go work for a company called faces magazine. What was the draw to leave the team side of sports where you're having so much fun, you love hockey and to sell advertising for, for this magazine. Now it was a hockey magazine. Is that right? Uh, no, it was more of like a lifestyle magazine. What happened was after we had won the championship, um, like it was an older barn, right? It was the only arena in Watertown. Um, so the city decided to like make some upgrades to, <laughs> city decided to make some upgrades to the arena and they passed like i think it was like 15 million dollars worth of upgrades for the arena so they pretty much tore the whole thing down other than like the skeleton and rebuilt the arena but it took the whole like like year to kind of do that so the the watertown wolves they didn't have a place to defend the championship so what they ended up doing the ownership is they just went dark for the year they sat out the season while the arena was being built so um in the summertime i had the opportunity to go play for another team that season called the Port Huron Prowlers in Michigan. Um, some of my buddies were playing there and the coach was keen on me coming and being a leader. So I got there, had a good training camp. We played So you were kind of on hiatus for a little bit for a year. The team was, but the, that, that, that's what I mean. The, t- the yeah. team was on hiatus. So you kind of went to do, to, to do this sales for the faces magazine. 
No, so before that, I went, like, at the start of the season, I was expecting to play hockey, right? So all summer I trained, okay. and I went to Port Huron, and three games into the season, they had a couple defensemen get sent down from a higher level, and it was between me and one other guy, and I ended up getting waived. So this was, like, the first time in not only my professional career, but, like, dating back to, like, grade six that I had ever been, like, cut from a team. I was, like, absolutely devastated. I remember packing up all my stuff, and you know, saying goodbyes in the locker room and I had tears coming down my eyes. Like I was just devastated, right? This is my life. And I trained all summer for it. So I went home and stayed with my dad for like a week. And I was just like, probably one of the lowest points of my life other than tearing my ACL. And um, about a week after being home, I had applied for this job and I got an interview. It was at Faces Magazine. So it was this magazine in Ottawa. It's all about like lifestyle and, you know, different celebrities and features and stuff like that. Um, so I ended up getting the job, which was really cool. And I really liked it. I got to do a lot of really cool things. So I was a sales account manager and contributor. Um, so I contributed content to the magazine. I sold advertising, but I also executed like interviews, um, with like celebrities and athletes. So I got to interview people like Jeff Dunham, the comedian, Mike Holmes, um, Rod Brindamore, um martin garrix like the number one dj in the world at that time like a lot of like really cool influential people so i really liked that part of the job but what i didn't like about it was i was selling like a quarter page ad or a half page ad or a full page ad and that was basically all the creativity i had to like sell advertising and it wasn't i didn't like after a while when the novelty weared off I, I wasn't super in love with it and i was living in orleans at the time the job was in canada so i'd drive an hour and a half in traffic to get to work and then an hour and a half home and i'd spend three hours of the day in my car and i was just like hating it right so i made the decision to to walk away and um and then i started working like just in between the end of that job and the start of the next hockey season i worked for a good friend of mine doing like landscaping and demolition and then um this new team formed in cornwall and uh the cornwall nationals and it was me and one other player uh, named lou dickinson um, I don't know if you remember that show making the cut way back when, uh, mm -hmm. but he was one of the finalists on that show. So we were the first two players signed and I was going to play there for a year. And, um, at the end of the season, that's when I, I got in the fight behind the net, like defending my, um, defending one of my players. And I, I was, you know, in the fight and I ended up like breaking it up and I escaped to the penalty box and I get in the penalty box. I looked out of my hand and I like my finger was like hanging below my hand. I'd broken it. Oh my so gosh. I skated off the ice and um, ended up <laughs> at the time. Like it's, it's crazy to think back, but like the trainer didn't have like a splint. So he, he like got a tampon from someone and he like taped it around my fingers. <laughs> I show up at the hospital. Are you serious? With, like, <laughs> a tampon taped to my finger as a splint. And like, I just remember the doctor <laughs> laughing, but you know, it set me out for, for 10 weeks. I couldn't play for 10 weeks. So I had went to the owner of the team and I said, Hey, look, like team's kind of struggling for, for sponsorship. And, you know, I think I can help with ticket sales. I have experience in this from the other teams I work for. So I got the position as a sales and marketing director, um, like literally halfway through the season. So um, that's when I met my co-founder. There was this girl named Shannon. She was working for the team, doing a little bit of the marketing. Um, she owned her own company. And I remember like the owner called her into the office one day to meet with me and uh just right away we hit it off we were like finishing each other's sentences and we just started brainstorming ideas and there was like instant chemistry um so we kind of took over the team together and you know brought the fan base up a little bit we got some new sponsors um and then in the off season i get a call from the watertown wolves and they said hey like 
we'd love to have you back in Watertown as a sales and marketing director. You know, you're really familiar with the community. You've sold a lot of sponsorship. You think you could really help out here. So I did. I committed to that. And um, so for that whole summer, um, I drove back and forth every week. I'd split my time in Watertown and Cornwall, which is about an hour and 40 minutes across the border between Cornwall and, um, and upstate New York. And sales so, and marketing and sales and marketing for both of these teams was it was it mostly selling sponsorships for them? I was what, managing, what was your role? What was your role for both of them? Yeah, I was managing all the social media accounts, websites, okay, social media, um, press releases, and then I was doing the sponsorship sales. I was doing media rights sales. We had deals with a couple television companies, a couple newspapers in town, radio stations. I managed all the media deals. Um, and then also like, Which we're talking about the, significant, we're talking about some significant time consuming deals that you had to work on. I mean, when you're was, talking about media rights, sponsorships, um, social media, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of work. It was a ton of work. And you know, as I know, it's one thing to sell a sponsorship, but it's a whole other thing to fulfill it. Right. So, you know, yep. getting the signage made, getting like their, you know, their ad for the game day program, getting their. Um, their ad that they want in, in the script for the game day, um, all of these things. And then on top of that, if there was anything, that, if there were any like in-game activations or if it was like a feature night, you know, we had like a first responders night where we had like uh, police, fire trucks and like uh, ambulances come out on the ice, like these types of things, right? Put together all of the game day operations and everything. So it was a ton of work. I was also managing a lot of the staff, um, but I got to really – do some really cool things. And Shannon was a big part of that. Um, so when the season started, um, and Shannon's your, Shannon's your current, your co your partner with fan saves, right? Yeah. She's yeah. my, my co-founder. She's also my girlfriend. We've been together, uh, for close to three years now. So, um, you know, really grew from that moment. Um, but when the season started, it was really unique because, you know, both teams were playing at the same time, but a lot of the times one team was a, away on the road and the other team was at home so when that was the case we would both run the game day operations whether if watertown was home in watertown and cornwall was on the road or if cornwall was home and watertown was on the road we'd be in that city running the game day operations um sometimes both teams played at home on the same day and we had to split up and she'd run the game day operations in cornwall and i'd run it in watertown and you know at this time it was like it was winter i don't know if you've ever heard of lake effect snow but um, Watertown's right in a water, like a snow belt in the 401 on the way to Cornwall. So I remember some nights coming home and like the worst snowstorms imaginable, like unbelievable that I even made it home some nights. It was that bad, but um, I would stay in a team hotel in Watertown and I'd drive home and, you know, it was crazy. But um, in the back of my mind, what kept rolling through my mind was like, some like major league executive when i apply to like the front office is going to see that i was a sales and marketing director for two minor professional hockey teams and i think that's something that would really stand out on my resume so i was like you know super keen and working super hard for my future when we come back chris and shannon see a need in the sponsorship industry to help drive traffic to businesses in a transparent and trackable way we'll talk about how we started fan saves and how important it is to analyze the engagement and sponsorships. Stay with us. This is Jason Smith, and you're listening to The Sponsor Pod. Support for The Sponsor Pod and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. 
Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey, welcome back to the Sponsor Pod. I'm Jason Smith. Chris and Shannon are in the middle of tag teaming the sales and marketing efforts for two hockey teams, burning the candle at both ends, but that time together ignites an idea of how brands can better engage with fans through sponsorships. Business owners didn't want to sponsor our team because they'd either sponsored a team in the past and didn't see anything come back in because of it, or they didn't want to sponsor the team because they didn't think they were going to get enough out of like a scoreboard ad or you know, a wall sign or a coupon in the game day program. What they really wanted was something digital, something that could track return on investment and collect customer analytics. And we didn't have anything like that in our inventory. So one, one evening we were super frustrated. We were thinking like, how can we better engage our fans with our sponsors and actually activate them to spend money at their sponsors? So we had this aha moment to create a mobile app that would offer discounts and deals to fans from the sponsors of their favorite teams. And that's where it all started. I remember I left for the day, I came back and Shannon had like found this like free app maker online and she's like, hey, check this out, I made an app. And I said, you made what? She showed it to me and uh, from that point on, we started going out and showing other businesses, potentially sponsors, like, hey, what would you think of this? If we created this app and it did this function, like, what would you think of that? And we got a lot of really good response and validation. So at that point we knew we had something, um, we had something good cooking and um, we got it, off the ground and running, we developed it. And um, like five days after we launched the app, the Cornwall Nationals team folded. Um, just the owner ran out of money. Um, we couldn't get enough sponsorship. The team had before the Nationals played in like another league and it burnt a lot of sponsors in town. And so it was really, really tough. We were like, wow, there goes our pilot, one of our pilot teams. Um, so luckily Cornwall Tourism stepped up and they said, we would like to like pilot this for you and also in Watertown for the Wolves. So for the full like six months that we had left of the season, we piloted in both markets and had it validated. And uh, again, like a really cool situation of being a sales and marketing director for two teams, I was able to implement the, you know, the, the app that we had created. So if I wasn't in that position, it would have been a lot more difficult. So just really funny the way things worked out. And here we are three years later. So you went over, you went over quite, quite a bit there and I have a couple, couple of questions with it. While you're the director of sales and marketing for both of these teams, you and Shannon were working, were working um, together with both of these teams. Um, You, you created this, this, this idea kind of becomes a reality of fan saves. And it sounds like you, 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 you vetted that out and talked with some sponsors and you were able to, to use your, your platform with both of these teams to, to test it out. But you kind of brushed through saying, you know, that you developed it out. And that's usually, and you and I both know, that's like super complicated. So how did you really get this thing developed? Like what were the challenges with that? Like how, to, to go from concept to actually creating this app, what, what was that process for you? Yeah. So like I said, Shannon had created this like basic version of the app and we took that around and had it validated. And then um, right at the start of the season, there was like this new Cornwall innovation center that opened up in, in, in the city that we're living in Cornwall. And it was meant for entrepreneurs and to like, you know, incubate their businesses. So we got into that 
And uh, we ended up meeting this guy who is, you know, an app developer and um, we got him to develop our MVP. Um, so he did and it was very, very basic, but we were able to do a launch and that's what we were able to validate throughout the and season. Able to, yeah, using that, validate it that and product. Test, it, test it, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was very basic and we knew like at first it was, you know, it scanned a QR code at a restaurant or a, a business. So every business that we had on the platform, they had little table tents with a QR code. So a user would go in, they'd scan it, and then they'd get their discounted deal. But we found throughout the year that a lot of people were having problems with like the, the QR codes. If it was too dark or, you know, like the business didn't put it out in a visible spot. Like there were a lot of flaws with like the actual valid uh, redemption uh, method. So we went back to the drawing board. We had it developed by another company in Toronto. They were working for like major companies like, um, you know, TD Bank and BMO. And, you know, to them, we were just like a really small fish, right? So we didn't really get the time, the attention, the transparency that we would hoped for. Um, so they created our version 2.0 and it worked a little bit better. Um, it worked off of like GPS uh, location, to, to redeem it you just had to be in the store and click redeem and show it at the point of purchase um but even that there were still some flaws and you know you build in stages right you never like build your first product and it's perfect right it doesn't happen that way in any situation any um, app so, any app or software is never done it's always evolving it's like a living breathing animal you've got that's exactly it and even you now gotta, you've got to like, keep feeding it you got to keep feeding it making it better as it grows that's exactly it. And even now we have a long line of innovation uh, in our pipeline, um, you know, that we're scheduling months in advance kind of thing as we continue to grow and raise investment and get new partners and stuff like that. So you're right. It's a never ending process. But, um, you know, after that, that experience, we decided, you know what, we're going to try and bring it in house. And, you know, we had, we had this we had three people that we interviewed developers. One guy had, like was working at another company and he was a recent grad. And, you know, we had him like vetted and interviewed by an expert through our accelerator in Best Ottawa. So I have a and, question. Uh, so so how, how would you pay these people as you're, cause I'm assuming you guys are now starting to just do this full time. Right from the end of the season with the wolves. That's when we started really full, like, like midway through the season. That's when we really started full time on this. Yeah. Like we just, we didn't really have the money when we started the business. We started with pennies in our bank account and we really bootstrapped up until this point, present day, uh, over a quarter of a million dollars. So through government oh, wow. grants, loans, we've won multiple pitch fests. One of them, we won a hundred thousand dollar investment. Um, you know, we did a small friends and family convertible note round. Um, we've had a lot of different avenues where we've been able to secure funding, uh, without doing like a round. Uh, per se and giving up any equity at an early stage because we're 50 50 co-founders we've been able to retain all of the equity to this point and now when we're doing our seed round we're able to give up a little bit more uh, to secure that bigger bigger number that we need to really amp things up to the next level so um we, we were just really scrappy we found ways to pay for development and stumble through into the next like evolution of the app and then we brought the development in-house we had paid this guy like you know lower than what a real like legit good developer would be getting paid because you know he saw the opportunity wanted to be involved from an early stage and it just didn't work out there's a lot of like things that come with having like a developer on payroll and you know you get into labor things and it's just it didn't work out so we're now currently working with a developer here in ottawa he has his own team uh, his own company and basically we're outsourcing it to him but 
so transparent. His processes are incredible. Like he's delivered every single timeline. So I guess like the model of the story is, is like, you're not going to get it right the first time and it's okay to fail, uh, but you need to learn from every experience, every mistake and always get better and, and take that into your next experience. And we're at that point where we're, we're super happy with where we are. No, that's perfect. You've got to, you've got to navigate through, through development until you find the right, the right partnership that's going to get you to where you need to be. And it sounds like you've, you've been able to do that. Now we've, we've talked through kind of your, <clears throat> as you've progressed to fan saves, um, to the company that you've, that you've created. Um, I want to, want to tell people a little bit about how, um, how this works, how fan saves work. So can you, can you explain a little bit how the app uh, functions and maybe the purpose it serves in the sponsorship industry? For sure. And like the easiest way to think of it is like the Instagram of sponsorship. Um, you can go on our app or you can go to fansaves.com and you can follow an organization. Instead of just seeing pictures like on Instagram, you'd see discounts and deals offered to you from the sponsors or affiliated businesses of that organization. So for example, you could follow the Seattle Kraken and you could see all of the sponsors listed um, offering a discount or deal to you, the fan. So to redeem a discount or deal, you just click on the deal. Um, if it's an online deal, you can redeem it through a code in the checkout at their website. But if it's an in-person deal, um, you just have to go into that establishment, call it McDonald's, go in, you click redeem, and you just show it at the point of purchase like a traditional coupon, and you get your discount or deal. So it's really easy to use for the user. Um, there's no like integration with POS systems or anything like that. Um, and what's really cool about it is each business on the platform gets their own dashboard. So they can actually see all the analytics of the user and every redemption. Um, they can see age, gender, primary location of the user, and also the date and time the deal was redeemed. So this is really important information for businesses to know to make more informed marketing decisions. I remember working with the Nationals Boston Pizza, a big chain up here in Canada, was a sponsor, and they gave us a box with 2,000 coupons. And they said, here, just give these to everybody. Spray them out in the crowd in the community. So we did. And, you know, after the games, we'd see them on the floor. And, you know, like even if they did get those coupons back in, they don't know anything about the person that brought them in, the customer. Yeah. Um, they don't know when it was brought in. So we just digitalized that whole process and made it more efficient um, and allowed the, the business to actually know who's coming to their stores. The organization as well also gets a dashboard. So they're able, able to oversee all of their sponsors um, and actually see all of their data. So they actually know how all their sponsors are performing. Um, so you think of like sports teams and organizations, right? Like at the end of the season, you go to like retain that sponsor. It's really hard to, to justify that sponsorship, right? It's like, how do you tell that person how much return on investment they got from sponsoring the team? It's really hard. There's not a lot of metrics for that. So our platform you could just log into the dashboard and you could see you know there was 600 redemptions or 100 redemptions and you know we were able to bring in this much business and we were able to provide you with the data so it's the evolution of of sponsorship inventory we're getting away from wall signs we're getting away from static advertising you're seeing a lot more digital activations coming about with mobile technology and gps um, geofencing so um, we're really taking advantage of that. And it's something that a lot of teams have already validated and something that's really excited that will be announced tomorrow. And 
by the time this podcast airs, it'll be a done deal. But we just closed uh, a major strategic partnership with Collegiate Sports Management out of New York City. Oh, congratulations. Uh, they That's awesome. Yeah, we're super excited. We've been working on this deal for about eight months, but they manage over uh, hundreds of properties in the United States from colleges and universities and minor professional leagues. So this is like the big break for us that we've been working towards to really scale our platform. And it's coinciding with uh, with the end of our seed round. So we're in a really exciting position right now. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. And and is sports is sports really the, the your focus for you, or do you have other organizations that that this um, app can serve as well? Yeah, I'm really glad I'm glad you brought that up because when we created Fan Saves, it was really about you know helping the sports sponsorship industry. But really quickly, we realized how many other verticals have the same problem of not being able to justify ROI for their sponsors. So you think of like. Um, colleges and universities you think of events festivals influencers single athletes um, chambers of commerce like all these different types of organizations they all rely on membership or sponsorship and they all have the same problem where they can't justify the ROI Um, a lot of like organizations you've heard of like gum gum and Nielsen and you know hook it and these organizations these analytics companies are able to tell businesses and organizations like you know number of impressions or number of eyeballs or likes or shares but those are all vanity metrics those don't actually track conversion and that's really where we think our platform has a lot of potential in the markets because we're actually tracking that conversion at the point of purchase and letting those letting those businesses and organizations know who's coming into their stores so it's um we see we see this, like I said, as more of like a social platform, like an Instagram, if you will, where people can just go to our site or our app. They can look up their favorite team or influencer or athlete, and they can know who all of their sponsors and endorsers are. A big thing that we found when we were out talking in the market and talking to sports fans was that 95% of sports fans that we spoke to couldn't name more than three of their favorite team sponsors, which is a huge problem when you think about how many millions of dollars these brands pay to be affiliated with these organizations and these diehard fans can't even name three of the sponsors. What if there was a platform where the fan could go and they could see all of the sponsors of their favorite team and actually support them and save money? That's a concept of what we're doing and uh, it's really starting to take off. So. Yeah. And, and you, you talked a lot about analytics and, and being able to, to, to show that in the industry and, and how it can relate back to both the, the brands and the properties. And obviously in a, in a digital forum, this app, you're able to, to track the engagement, you know, of, uh, of the app. And so what do you feel like engagement means for sponsors um, as it relates to, to who they market to? Yeah. So it really depends on the sponsor, right? Like every sponsor has like a different target demographic. So creating activations like I'm, I'm wearing my sponsorship hat here when i'm working for a team like creating activations that can actually um resonate with the fan that they're trying to reach is really important right so depending on like what feature night they want what activations they want the messaging that they're putting out with our platform we're opening up to everybody right anybody can engage 90% of millennials use coupons. So that's a big industry, a big, sorry, demographic that we're trying to reach out to and um, engage with to, to be able to discover the brands that support their favorite local and non-local organizations. Do you, do you feel like there's kind of more important metrics than others from an engagement standpoint? 
that should be looked at with sponsorships? Yeah, I mean, like I talked about a little bit of about vanity metrics, right? Like shares, you know, th- those are great, you know, to get your brand out there, but that's not tracking like conversion, right? Yeah. So, you know, just having a business able to be activated with, like if you go on a site like a Facebook and, you know, you see a, a business, like you might not have the urge to like, want to engage with that business but you know if you go to a fan sales platform and you know you see a business that you're interested in and they're offering you a discount or deal a coupon you might be more likely to engage with that business um so that's the difference between what we're doing and, and other platforms that are out there um the other the other thing too is like there's a lot of couponing apps out there there's a lot of competition right there's a lot of people trying to do the same thing what's different about us is we work with the organization to promote their partners. Um, so, you know, we're able to like have the marketing power of not just like promoting that business who comes on our platform to offer a coupon, but now the organization we're working with, um, we're working hand in hand with them through our channels and through their channels to create content to get people to go to fan saves and actually support the businesses that support their favorite teams. How, how do you feel like um, COVID specifically is going to change the way that fans or just anyone engages with sponsors of any sports and entertainment events? How, how, how do you feel like um, COVID is going to change that engagement? I mean, we're witnessing a digital revolution right in front of our eyes in sports. It's happening, right? All these great, really cool sports tech companies are coming out. Um, and they're, they're winning a lot of contracts. Right now, there's no fans in the stands. There's no in-game activations that are being seen. There's no wall signage, scoreboard ads, game yeah. like game day program ads, whatever, right? It's not, it's not happening. And it's probably not going to happen for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, look at the NFL. There's a lot of teams that are saying only 22% capacity, and some are saying none. Um, the CFL up here in Canada was just canceled for the season. Um, you know, there's talk about next year, the NHL not playing in front of fans. So if the fans aren't in the buildings, how are they seeing the businesses that are supporting these teams? It's all going to be digital, right? So it's so important for these sports teams, organizations to really double down on their digital strategies and try to engage with the fans in a new way. We're seeing major increases in streaming, uh, fans watching, you know, games on social media and streaming platforms, like, Five years ago, television was king, like had 95% of the market, if not more. So look how much has happened in the last five years and think of how much is going to happen in the next five years. Like the industry is going to be forever changed. And, you know, we're one of those companies that's at this like early revolution of digitalization and and technology and sports. And um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of teams are going to like start looking into their innovation and technology strategies and it's going to pay off for them in the long run. Now you also have a podcast called living the startup. You want to talk about that? Kind of give a little shameless plug for your podcast. I would love to, um, little passion project that we had been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, just kind of always got put on the shelf. We were busy, you know, trying to grow our startup, but, um, you know, we wanted to engage with other startup founders and we had a lot of experience and we had a lot of really cool things that happened during our business, a lot of struggles, a lot of wins, a lot of losses. So we wanted to share that with other people. We wanted to talk with other founders and share their stories. So that that's really how it began. 10 episodes in, we got sponsored by Staples Canada and that gave the podcast a lot of credibility. So today we've launched 22 episodes with more in the pipeline and 
we're having people that are starting to reach out to us to get on the podcast, which is really cool. Um, but what's really great about it is um, it's a lead generator. It's also a way to connect with other people. A lot of times people will refer people to us and, you know, maybe there's no business synergy. We can't really help each other, but Hey, we can have you on our podcast and we can share your story and kind of give your, your business some love. And who knows, maybe that person that comes on our, that founder that comes on our podcast, you know, five months, two years later, uh, remembers that and has like the perfect contact to introduce us to. Right. So, um, it's a good learning experience as well, like learning from other founders and learning about their journeys and mistakes that they made and things that they did well and just sharing strategies. So it's become this really great thing that my co-founder and Shannon and I just have fallen in love with. And, um, you know, we were featured on podcasts a lot. We got into podcasting as guests quite frequently when we first started the business, but to launch our own podcast has been really fun and exciting. And we've got another like sports tech and innovation series that we're going to be launching in a couple of weeks focusing more on the digital and technology side of sports. So we're really excited for that as well. Well, it's definitely a great one to, to listen to and, and I'd encourage others to, to, to listen to it as well. It's um, keep it up. You guys are doing a great job there. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's, it's been really fun to do so far. Yeah. And, and Chris, as we wrap up here, um, I've just got a few, few questions that I, that I ask um, all of my guests as they come on the show, as we wrap things up. Um, <laughs> but want to thank you so much for for coming on the show today but what do you what do you feel like the future looks like for for you and fansafe it's really exciting um it's just it's such a weird time right now you know like we're everyone's just kind of like coming out of their shell from COVID 19 at least up here in canada i know things are a little uh, a little different in the states but um you know the markets are still unsure investments still kind of unsure like so you know signing this big strategic partnership was huge for us something we've worked really hard for and you know closing our seed round during a pandemic is like crazy but it's something that we're really proud of being able to do here soon um yeah just scaling across north america we've already got 40 organizations across north america but just increasing our footprint and then you know eventually one day um crossing the pond and bringing our technology to europe you think of like Japan, right? Baseball in Japan, cricket in India, football and soccer, if you will, in, in Europe. There's just, it's such a big market out there just in sports. But then you think of all the other verticals I mentioned earlier that we can support. It's, it's almost overwhelming, but it's so exciting at the same time. So being able to grow our team, take on more verticals and just become one of those like household names, like those, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Snapchats, having a platform where people can go and support their favorite organization sponsors. That's what we see as a big vision. That's amazing. That's great. What what makes you get up in the morning and do what you do to to accomplish all everything that you feel like you need to do? You know, to yeah. to make to help the company be successful. What makes you get up and 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 do this? I mean, I definitely don't miss the commute to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, getting up in the morning and just having like a full thing, a full plate, full schedule of things to do is really exciting and fun. And knowing that you're like building something for yourself and something that you built out of nothing. Right. Like, you know, the old saying is like, you, I don't know how it goes, but you, you go to work and you work for someone else and you build their dream or you could work really hard to build your own dream. Right. So, you know, we're working towards, we've sacrificed the first few years. We just want to live the life where like, we, we live on our own time, um, you know, and, and we've built a name for ourselves. We've left a mark on the industry and um, that's something that we're really passionate about doing. 
And, and if you were listening to this podcast 10 years ago, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? You know what? Like, it's really like cliche, but I don't know if I would change a thing. You know, like I had a really like, I won two championships playing. Um, you know, I, I've got like an amazing partner and girlfriend. We built something from nothing. Um, I had, I fulfilled like in a sense my dream of playing professional hockey. I got my bachelor's degree in business. Like, I'm just I'm really happy with the way my life turned out. I always I'm a big firm believer in everything happens for a reason in the universe. Um, so if you do good things, it'll come back to you. And that's the way I've tried to live my life. And it's been working out really well so far. There, nothing comes easy. Um, there's a lot of hard work involved, but I don't think I would I would change too, too much. Even the, the knee injuries, they took me down a different path and never would have thought I would. And uh, here I am today and happy as could be. So That's awesome. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Time flies and you're having fun, but always great to chat with you, Jason. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, thank you. Chris McCarthy, co-founder and CEO, COO at Fansaves. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Sponsor Pod. Today's podcast was brought to you by Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of The Sponsor Pod. Before you go, I want to remind you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends through email, social media, or even by word of mouth. We appreciate all the support. Until next time, I'm Jason Smith, and you've been listening to The Sponsor Pod.